Hey, I'm Drew. And I'm Tim. And this is the Hearts and Hands Podcast. In episode 24, we talk about introducing new music, and we have a conversation with Karen Getzinger where she makes a case for abstract art. Welcome to another episode of the Hearts and Hands podcast. I'm your host, Drew Sonnenberg, joined as always by my co-host, Tim Babbler. And Tim, we just wanted to say that our prayers are with the entire St. Mark's family after the, the tragedy. I don't know if you wanted to say anything about that. Yeah, just so I know the listeners hear you, probably you'll notice that I'm not on that interview this week. This past week, we, uh, our principal of our school had an unexpected heart attack and went home to heaven. We have confidence we know where he is, but it's just been difficult. So uh, thanks definitely for your prayers and definitely pray for his wife and daughter as well. Yes, we will certainly be praying for all of them. So Drew, since I wasn't there for the interview this week, I know you were talking with Karen Getzinger. Um, what was one of the main things you pulled out of that? Well, there was a lot of things, but w- one thing that kind of came up a few times was h- how to introduce artwork I- in a worship setting, especially with this idea that you can't always control how somebody's going to interpret a piece of art. Karen mentions that it's especially difficult with abstract art because people aren't used to interpreting it or don't have as much practice with it, so they're just a little more unsure. But we said it's the same with really any art, even something as straightforward as a song. You know, some songs are are light on the poetry and pretty straightforward in their in their lyrics, but there's plenty that aren't. And so um, we need to be thoughtful about how we introduce those things as well. Yeah, and that's something I actually have some recent experience with. A lot of times when we introduce new music, we're picking songs that are very straightforward with the message, and it's things that really wouldn't be misinterpreted by someone. But it's something to always take into account. We recently introduced the song New Wine by Hillsong Worship into our uh, worship services. And its phrasing kind of talks about in the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new wine. And for someone who doesn't understand the biblical imagery, it can be a very confusing song. So we actually took the time before the first time that we sang it to just explain a little bit of the, pa- the Bible passages that the uh, authors of the song wrote about. And that's what they, they used as a reference point when they were writing their lyrics. That way, when people were singing it, they weren't distracted by, I don't have any clue what this means. Because we want to make sure that, especially in a worship setting, you're being as clear as possible with your message. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this goes for for pretty much the entire service, right? Like, no matter what you're doing, whether you're introducing a new song or you're using a scripture reading, which, you know, is a piece of art itself. Lots of them are, lots of the Bible is poetry or prose or a narrative or whatever. That's still art. Um, and... If you aren't intentional about explaining why you're using that thing, I think the the meaning can get lost or distorted uh, pretty easily. Just like you know, if you're if you're using the liturgy and you sing the holy, holy, holy right after, or is it before or after communion? I forget. But like, there's a specific reason why that's placed there. But if you don't know what it is, then it just seems like a, a random song just kind of thrown in there because we needed something to sing. Yeah, I think in general, just making sure you're clear with with why things happen in a service, and again, being clear with lyrics. And if you're using artwork, it's okay to have things open to interpretation. But um, especially for someone who is an artist like Karen uh, and dealing with abstract art as she does, 
someone may see something completely different than she did. And I think that's okay as long as you're just not trying to put meaning where meaning isn't there. Sure. So yeah, let's get to that interview with Karen. There's, she has a lot of good thoughts, so let's hear those. Today, we're excited to welcome Karen Getzinger to the podcast. Welcome, Karen. Thank you, Drew. It's nice to be here. Thanks for wanting to chat with me. Absolutely. For our listeners who may not have heard of you before, could you briefly introduce yourself and what you do? Sure. I am a professional visual artist. When I started, I was working primarily uh, in textiles and fiber art, but as time has gone on, I've kind of moved away from that and am pretty much strictly working abstractly and uh, mixed media paint and ink and graphite. You were one of the presenters at our last Hearts and Hands, and I really enjoyed your keynote. It was called A, a Case for the Abstract. And for, for our listeners who may not be as familiar, could you just kind of briefly explain what makes abstract art different from other forms of visual art? Absolutely. I, and, I'll, and I will try to be brief. Um, <laughs> I, I would say abstract art breaks away from traditional representation of physical, physical objects, and it explores the relationships of form and color as a way to express energy and emotion. I guess whereas traditional art represents the world in recognizable images, like uh, we're all familiar with still life settings, landscapes, the human form. Abstract has sometimes been des described as being a departure from reality, but it's really interesting. Just this week, I was reading a book by Bridget Quinn, and she suggested that abstract is just a different reality, um, the reality behind our visible world. And I thought that was kind of an uh, interesting description. And in your keynote, you also mentioned that, at least historically within the church, there's been some amount of pushback against the idea of using abstract art in connection with worship. Where do you feel that comes from? Is it just a misunderstanding of what abstract art is trying to do? Is it, does it just have to do with traditions within the church, or is it something else? Um, I would say tradition, certainly. Um, there is a comfort in the we've always done it this way kind of mindset. But I also think mainly misunderstanding, and I'll kind of address three points. First, I think abstract art takes digging in a bit deeper. Abstraction doesn't give you everything up front. So it becomes open to interpretation, which for some people can be scary. They just don't want to be wrong, or they feel they don't know enough about art to be able to interpret it in any way. And it can be mysterious and evocative, like instrumental music, for instance. There's no overt clues to tell us what the piece is about. But I know that we've all been moved by beautiful, wordless music. Samuel Barber's Adagio for Strings sure. will bring me to tears every time I listen to it. And I can literally feel that piece of music in my chest. Secondly, I think often people will say abstract art, and especially abstract expressionism, doesn't look like anything. And that's actually <laughs> correct. <laughs> they're right. If they're looking to find recognizable objects. Sometimes they think that anybody can do it, including toddlers and animals, um, <laughs> suggesting that no thought goes into a painting. But as I mentioned before, abstract paintings, like instrumental music, are intended to be expressive and, and capture emotion. So the artist does really carefully choose the gestural marks, 
the colors that are used, the forms that are used, and even the techniques to express his or her emotions, experiences, or thoughts on a subject. And then lastly, that characteristic of abstract art in itself leads some people to suggest that that makes the work all about the artist. In other words, it's artist-centric, and in regards to religious art, they feel that that subverts the gospel. But I I would maintain that since God created us to be emotional beings, most artists bring their own feelings and perspective to each piece they do, whether it's abstract or realism. And in my talk at the Hearts and Hands conference, I had us look at two paintings on the same subject. Both were paintings of the conversion of the Apostle Paul. One was by Bruegel and the other was by the 17th century Caravaggio. Bruegel's painting is an expansive scene and it shows Saul's army on its way to Damascus dressed in clothing of Bruegel's day, so 16th century clothing. And his intent is to draw the viewer's eye deep into the painting in search of Saul, the central character of the story, which isn't obvious at first. And then there's Caravaggio's painting, which on the other hand is extremely dramatic. It's in-your-face dramatic. And it focuses right in on, on Saul. It depicts that moment he was flung from his horse. And there's nowhere else for our eyes to go. So it's like two completely different approaches And it's clear that each artist has brought their own perspective to the same event. I like that comparison you drew to instrumental music. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I think there's almost perhaps a double standard that instrumental music is has a place within the church and there's seems to be very little pushback for that. Why do you feel like there there's that difference between instrumental music versus abstract visual art? Is it just that? we're more used to interpreting instrumental music or is it, does it have some other reason behind it? Hmm. That is an interesting question. Yeah. I think we're just, we're more used to listening to music. I think, I think with abstract art, it takes time. It takes uh, sometimes patience to look at it, consider it, and bring to it your own feeling about it. Whereas, I, I guess with music, I don't know, maybe it is just that we're just more used to listening to music and not maybe necessarily feeling that we have to interpret it in any way, but just allowing it to arouse our emotions. Or I don't know, I, I think that's a really interesting question, Drew. Maybe, maybe I, I, you know, everything in our society is very quick. It's very upfront, and I think time for introspection has become almost non-existent for some people. And so looking at abstract art is is a harder thing to do, to try to understand it. Yeah, that makes sense. So clearly you feel there is a place within the church for abstract art. Is there something that you feel is distinctly different about abstract art or something that it can accomplish that other forms of art can't, and that's why it has such an important place in the church? Well, I think in the past, uh, representational religious art was used as a teaching tool. Many of the people were illiterate back in the day, and, and so the images helped 
teach those Bible stories, teach the Bible truths. But now, here in North America, the majority of us can read, at least at some level of proficiency, right? So I think that abstract art can now play a supporting role to help set the tone for a given liturgical season, such as a more penitential feel during Lent and and Holy Week, or that complete unabashed joy of Easter morning. So abstract art, because recognizable objects are not used, I feel invites us to, as I mentioned before, observe slowly, to take time, and to use our God-given minds and imaginations. You sort of alluded to this, that some of the hesitancy may come from people not feeling like they know how to interpret abstract art. Is there any fear as as a, an artist that your work will be misinterpreted by those who don't have as much experience with it? Well, any art form, I think, is open to interpretation by the viewer. Um, More so, I think, with with abstract art. And I think that is sometimes the rub, that the person looking at abstract isn't sure what the artist's intent was. So oftentimes, if you go to a gallery, you know, they have the the, uh, labels next to the piece of art. And people, the first thing they'll do is they'll look at the piece of art and then they look immediately at the label to see if the title will give them an indication or if there's any sort of indication for for the direction they should be thinking. But I I kind of feel that once I release a piece of art from my studio and out into the world, that action in in and of itself is allowing the viewer to uh, react to that work as they see fit. However, their emotions and their thoughts, whatever emotions and thoughts they can bring to that piece of work. Yeah, I think it's just, again, I keep going back to people being afraid that they're going to be wrong. And there is no wrong. You know, all art is pretty subjective. And so when you view a piece, and I know when I release my work to the world, too, I know that not everybody's going to love my work. That's okay. Because that's the great subjective nature of art in itself. That being said, though, whenever we use something in in connection with worship or in connection with God's word, we want to do it in a way that's not just, you know, flippant or careless. So are there any things that you think of, any considerations or best practices as you are creating abstract art or as you are helping a congregation introduce the use of abstract art within their their church, what what sorts of things come to mind? Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right that we just don't want to do things just because we can. So first and foremost, I, th- I really think we have to take into consideration our, our fellow Christians. So, for example, if, if the congregation is a congregation that is really steeped in tradition, certainly we don't want to cause offense by insisting on introducing, let's say, a large-scale abstract painting. But I also think we need to look at the setting itself, the sanctuary itself. Will an abstract work complement the architecture and the other existing forms of art, or will it just look out of place? So yes, careful attention to how it's going to look, how it's going to edify, and not just to do it for the sake of doing it. But that being said, 
I think in many situations we can start to introduce abstract forms by maybe using an abstract background with some supporting symbols or perhaps some minimal text. I know that at my own home congregation here in Ottawa, I've pretty much been given carte blanche when it comes to creating (laughs) seasonal banners. I really am thankful for that, that the congregation has allowed me to do that. But I have been very slow to make full-on abstract banners. I mean, we have a beautiful, beautiful old church. And our older members are really steeped in tradition and really cling to that tradition. But we also have a changing demographic. The average age of our members has become younger, and we've also become a very multicultural congregation. So on any given communion Sunday, I kneel at the table with my brothers and sisters in Christ who are, oh, South Sudanese, Ethiopian, Middle Eastern, Chinese, Inuit, and, uh, and oh yeah, a man in a kilt. <laughs> uh, and I love that. Awesome. I just love that. And so since we all come from such different backgrounds, I think this is really an opportunity to introduce more abstract seasonal banners and kind of add to the mix of of the traditional Caucasian imagery of religious art. I've been trying to introduce abstraction a bit more in the banners lately, but I have been using some recognizable text or Christian symbols. But slowly, as I'm going forward, the the text is becoming less and less. I just did a couple banners for Season of Pentecost last year, and I think there's two words on each banner. So I think that could be a way to ease people into it. A couple of years ago, or probably more than that, but one of our members, who's also a painter, created a banner for Lent that was really quite abstract and quite different from anything we had done previously. So I I knew there might be some pushback, but what we did is to help our members understand it, we put an explanation about it in the worship folder. And I think that was just a really excellent way to help the congregation to understand. You know, we we talked about the abstract symbolism that was was in that particular banner, and it helped them uh, not only understand, but kind of be educated about abstraction as an alternative art, art form. So I think, you know, if we're careful how we use it, but we also take the time to to help our fellow members understand, that's a good way to go. Yeah, I think that's something that can be said for just about any form of art that you're introducing, whether it's a new song you're writing or a piece of art that just doing your best to help bridge the gap and help. If you have members that aren't as comfortable with interpretation of art, just kind of giving them some stepping stones to work with like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Not just shooting it out there and and hoping for the best. Yeah. Well, I would love to keep talking, but we would also love to have you back on the podcast again someday. So I hope you, <laughs> you'd be willing to do that. I'd love that. Well, we want to thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate both how you've supported Hearts and Hands, but also um, just coming on the podcast today. Well, I appreciate it. I loved being at Hearts and Hands. Wish I could be there with you this year, but uh, it's just not going to work out. And, and, And thanks for wanting to chat with me more. Absolutely. If you want to hear from more amazing people like Karen, register for Hearts and Hands. Do it today. Do it, do it, do it. Go to wellscreatives.com slash register. We'd love to have you there with us. We'd love to meet you and share ideas and, and 
encourage one another. It's a fantastic time. We hope to see many, many of you there. And if you know other creative people that you think we should talk to on the podcast, please reach out to us on all social media platforms at Wells Creatives or at Hearts and Hands Podcast at gmail.com. We thank those of you who support us through patreon.com slash hearts and hands podcast. Uh, your support helps keep the show going and we really enjoy being able to interact with you and give you those bonus uncut episodes uh, and other special materials as well. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>